0: Welcome to the Grace Place. We're glad you're here. I want to lead us in prayer for uh, a, a woman who we met when we were in Las Vegas. Uh, Michelle's going to do a short video that we hope to send back to her of our church praying for her. Her father is uh, very ill and his heart has, uh, is, he had a severe heart attack and it's, it's operating only at about 30 percent And uh, the family is facing very, very difficult um, decision. He is um, alert, he knows uh, that they're there and the doctors are are asking them um, to make a decision that is extremely difficult for the family. So for Cindy, for her father and for the extended family that are around, I'd like to ask you to stand with me and as a church, uh, we'll lift them up. Father, we're so grateful that you are the God who heals. We come to you in the name of Jesus. We can believe for a miracle. If that's what you have in store, God, to raise up Cindy's dad and Lord, to heal his heart completely. Father, we're asking that you would strengthen the family, that you would invade the room where they are with your presence, that the decisions that are made would be guided and directed by you. That the doctors and the nurses and all those who are giving care would be subject to the counsel of God in this moment. We ask God that you would uh, comfort Cindy and and her uh, family, God, and and all who surround. As they are facing, Lord, this difficult situation with their father. And we know, God, that uh, this life is not all there is. That there is eternity ahead of us. And so we we don't face these things as people who have no hope. We have great hope in you, and we trust in you. And so we're lifting him up to you, and we're asking for you to do the work in Jesus' name. And God, we're going to give you the praise and the glory for that. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for praying with me for Cindy, her family family. was a big help to us when we were at uh, Canyon Ridge I was responsible for a couple of areas there uh, among resources and one of them had to do with a cafe that was busy constantly you can imagine you know uh, four or five thousand people trying to hit a cafe up uh, before services and after services and we had to have good staff there and Cindy uh, would come faithfully with her daughter who was very young at the time she was only about um, probably eight, I guess. And uh, she learned how to operate, um, the. her name was Zoe. She learned how to operate our coffee bar and the specialty coffees. And man, she was awesome. She was, you know, we'd put her over there and, and Cindy would wash dishes. She would help out wherever she could. And uh, they were a real blessing to us. And, and we loved them and missed them. And uh, after we left and so I know what it's like to face these difficult situations. So as you think about it this week, pray for Cindy and, and her father and the whole families involved in the situation. We are closing out this uh, wisdom series, which has really been great. And uh, we have had guest speakers and I, I appreciate all of you that are here today uh, to see uh, the real guy after all these guest speakers. <laughs> We have had really some awesome messages and I'm glad you decided to come back and, and hear me. We had a couple that had been visiting and they had to miss because they were sick and, you know, there's some, some extenuating circumstances. And so one of the people, we were talking to him after a service, said, hey, you got to come back and hear our pastor when he speaks. And I said, they already did. And the fact that they're actually back, that's amazing. We're really happy for that. <laughs> We had great, great speakers. Jake opened up the series uh, just to recap for you real quick, talking about where to find uh, the wisdoms of God in God's word and how to cherish the word of God and love the word of God. Uh, Zach came the next Sunday and brought a really powerful message, kind of uh, went a different direction than I thought he might go with the, the message title. And brought a powerful message to us about how there is in God's world no difference between sacred and secular, the science and, and uh, you know, our, our, the spirituality. Uh, they're all, God's created everything and God is in everything and that you and I should not live as if there are just little places that we can abide as Christians. You know, you guys are religious and you're Christians, so you should stay over there, don't come to the schools, don't bring your stuff to work. You know, don't talk about faith uh, in your neighborhood and stuff like that. And Zach freed us up by talking about God's word is for every situation, every circumstance that we live our faith out. We don't parse ourselves up. You know, we are uh, we are not uh, religious people. We are Christians and Christians is who I am. And so I don't, you can't cut that out of me when I go to the Starbucks. You can't do it. It's just, it's there and it's going to travel with me because it's who I am. And uh, gave us permission to live God's wisdoms out in in community and in faith. and. It was just terrific. David came and brought a powerful word last week uh, about how important it is for us to practice self-control. And I love the way that he talked about it as if it's a muscle that we're exercising and we'd certainly need God's help. Right. But uh, if we're putting no effort into it at all, then, uh, you know, God is is not just forcing us as a robot to do something. We have to begin to practice self-control. And uh, it was really encouraging. He talks about how uh, a walled city is, is secured and safe from the attacks of the enemy, but when the walls are breached that the enemy can get in. And uh, it was, uh, that was really a good point about the, the, uh, the church um, in uh, what was in Corinth, where he was talking about how that there, an unwalled city and, and uh, how that there had been all kinds of, Uh, you know, different things that have been coming in there. And so that's why Paul was redressing the church and talking to them about uh, the issues of self-control in their lives because they had allowed the enemy to creep in. So self-control, there's a part for God and there's a part for us, right? Exercising that out. And and, uh, that was a great understanding of the the wisdoms of God. So it's up to me kind of to bring this hopefully all together, put a nice bow around it, and so the title of my message, if you are taking notes and writing it down is fool's gold, what is the difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God? When you go into a bookstore and you have this self-help aisle and there are all kinds of wonderful books there and encouraging, what would be the difference from that and the book of, uh, of God or, or the wisdoms that God would share with us? Uh, in relationship with him. How will those things be different? And we'll talk a little bit about that and try to bring some clarity. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 16, uh, beginning at verse 16. So find your place there and we'll jump in together. Proverbs chapter 16, beginning at verse 16. We have it up here as well. How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be humble uh, of spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who heeds the word wisely will find good. And whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness, uh, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. And adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of the way of death. But it ends is in the way of death. How much better is it to get wisdom... How much better is it to get godly wisdom in our life? What we value most is going to give direction to our lives. And that's why it's so important that we value the wisdom of God's Word. Whatever it is that we most value is going to direct and steer our life. It's tempting for us at times to go after treasures we hope exist rather than to work towards those that we know that exist, that will take commitment, hard work, and time. It's that old saying, a bird in the hand is better than two in the book. It's a temptation for us to go after the lottery, rather than to work hard and to earn our way into a healthy retirement, right? Right? It's that mindset, and that's where we are with wisdom as well. And that's why it's so tempting for us to gobble up uh, wisdoms of the world, things that we might see out there, a way to get rich quick, a way to... Uh, that's why these guys can make a lot of money. You know, I uh, studied, uh, went to real estate school, studied real estate, and, and I learned quickly that these guys get out of real estate when they, after they've had a successful little season in their life, a couple of years. And they start having seminars and selling books, right? Because there's more money in seminars and selling books than there actually is in the hard work that it, is it takes them day to day to uh, get out there and earn that money and, and make a living, right? And so it is in every trade, in every field. It's not different even in, in, uh, you know, in Christianity. There are people out there that are selling books, seminars. And things that are going on rather than the hard work of the day-to-day ministry that goes on every single day in order to change lives and to see hearts and lives uh, brought to Jesus Christ. I believe this, that all men have this one thing in common. They all want to be happy. And they do not agree, though, on what brings that greatest happiness into their lives. They disagree sometimes about what it will be, but ultimately they all want that happiness. And I want to revisit this in just a moment because I want to talk through first with you the difference between a secular kind of idea about what wisdom is um, or a worldview of of wisdom versus uh, what God's wisdom has to say to us. And so first of all, an earthly wisdom appears... Uh, uh, appeals a lot to our senses, it appeals a lot to our emotions and feelings. It's, uh, we take those things in and, and those are the wisdoms that are, are most appealing to our senses, most appealing to our emotions. In contrast, the wisdom of God always reflect back on God. In the end, when we see the wisdoms of God, they always reflect back on God's goodness, on God's graciousness, on God's mercy, on God's ability to do miraculous things for our lives. The wisdoms of God always give us a reflection of God, but the wisdoms of the world always appeal to our senses and to our emotions and feelings. Let me give you a few examples of that. While earthly wisdom says, always follow your heart, godly wisdom says in Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is, is desperately wicked and evil. All right? So the world says, follow your heart. You know, your heart will lead you into um, prosperity, into love, into wonderful things. God's wisdom says, whatever you do, don't follow your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Your heart is going to mislead you. Earthly wisdom says, Seeing is believing. Godly wisdom tells us in John 20 and 29, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. In other words, deferred gratification. The world says, see it, get it. God's wisdom says, defer that gratification. It's coming. God has goodness for you. God has blessings for your life. There is fulfillment in, in, in living a life for God and wait for God to bring you. Boaz, don't settle for bozo. Right? While earthly wisdom says, love your family and friends, godly wisdom tells us in Matthew five, forty-three through forty-seven. To also love your enemies and bless them. What in the world profit is there in that? (laughs) Right? While earthly wisdom says there are many ways to God, just pick one. Godly wisdom tells us, Acts 4 and 12, and throughout the scriptures, there is only one way to God through Jesus Christ. And if you keep heading after all of those other things, they will all end in disappointment because they do not lead to God. That's right. God has created uh, this world and its morals. We're talking about every man wants to be happy, uh, every man wants happiness, disagrees on how happiness may come. But here, the reason that that is inside of us is because God created this world, its moral laws, in such a way. That you can be happy. But here's how God created it that we might be happy. And that is, the more we choose to glorify God, the happier we are going to be. The more we choose to glorify God, the happier we are going to be. The more we choose to follow the wisdoms of God and the things that God has in store for us, the happier we're going to be. What we will learn about in following the wisdoms of God is that things are not bringing happiness. But pursuit of the things, that the way that God has created the world, pursuit of the God of the world, is going to bring fulfillment and peace and contentment and happiness that will happen even in storms and difficulties and trials and challenges and all kinds of things that go on. And every day, some of us face some of those big crises. We had one hit us in our home this past week. And, and you get stabilized in those crisis situations because you know the God of the book. Yeah. Yeah. And He anchors you and holds you firm and holds you solid. And we understand in our home and in our family that the, when, the more we choose to glorify God and to, to, to put our trust in Him, the happier and sec- more secure we are as a family. As a practicing Christian, you know, uh, you come to understand that the wisdoms of God are so valuable and you really uh, start growing to love them as you learn and you grow and you develop as a disciple. <laughs> the Bible so, tells us that what this church is all about, church globally, worldwide, is about making disciples. And as we begin to to grow in Christ and become more of a disciple, day by day we learn the value of the wisdoms of God practiced in our lives and put into place in our life. It is, it is those wisdoms that, that move us into deeper thought, contemplation, because it's it does not appeal to our sensual nature uh, of our lives. In fact, sometimes it's, it's just contrary. We're being discomforted instead of comforted. As we, uh, as we look at the wisdoms of God, we're being pushed away from the sensual and the emotional things that have driven us in our life on a day-to-day basis. And as we, as we get deeper into God's wisdom, Systems, we come to love them and we come to understand how valuable they are for our lives. Now, I, I love these uh, growing up learning to put them into practice and sharing them with other people. I had a real zeal as a young person to share my faith with others, to tell other people about them. A couple of friends and I put a, a Bible club together when we were in high school. We wanted to share our faith with people. and But something became apparent early on as, as uh, in this zeal to share my faith and to share the wisdoms of God with other people. Three things that, that I discovered fairly early on. One was that some people love ignorance more than they love knowledge. And I don't mean that in a cruel way. Really, I don't. There are people who would rather be blissfully ignorant than knowledgeable about the things of God. It's, 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 it's a kind of a, a safety net. It's like, if I don't know, I don't have to make a decision. And so they, they, they just push it aside. What I found, secondly, was there are people who insist on doing things their way and ignore the counsel of God irrespective, even when they saw that, that, that this was better counsel, it was, it was uh, good wisdom to live by, they insist on rejecting it because they have a way they want to go, a direction they want to go, and that's going to mess it up. Knowing that, practicing that is going to mess it all up, and so they insist on uh, their own way over God's way. The third thing that I learned about people in sh- trying to share the wisdoms of God was that Common sense in in a biblical perspective is very uncommon in our world. It's very uncommon. And my heart breaks for people who grew up, you know, really not knowing the wisdoms of God. Because very early on in my life, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home. And very early on, the Word of God and the wisdoms of God were shared in my life things said every day. I remember my grandmother saying things, quoting scripture passages, that I began to understand when I was very young, five, six, seven, eight, nine years old, and I understood these truths, and I didn't live underneath a delusion of the world uh, with respect to many things. For instance, uh, I, was, I was telling him uh, in our prayer time before, Dennis Prager brought up something that uh, it reminded me of, of my early upbringing as well. He said, because I grew up knowing about God, and, and grew up, he grew up in the Jewish faith. He said, I knew when I was six years old that man is not good. Right? That on his own, left to his own devices, man is not good. And yet there are people who grow up their whole life uh, trust, uh, trusting everyone and believing everyone and falling into every kind of trap you can imagine. Because they just don't know, they haven't read God's word. They didn't see that the children of Israel delivered out of bondage in Egypt. Decided they would get a few miles down the road and want to go back to bondage. Want to hang uh, their leader. You know, want to destroy one another, right? I mean, uh, they, they didn't know that there were two brothers that brought offerings to God. And one of them got jealous of the other one and killed him with a rock. And because we grew up understanding this, we knew that man is not basically good. He needs God. Yes, he, does. he desperately needs God. One of the first books that I read along this line was an apologetics book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It was in, in, the, in my zeal and passion to learn more about How to Defend God's Word, Josh McDowell, I don't know how many of you have that book in your collection. It's it's probably not one that you just read from cover to cover, you know, but it's a great resource book that you keep in your library. I mean, I would encourage you to read it from cover to cover. It's really good. But if you, it's a great resource book. You can pull it out and find out, you know, because it's divided up into scientific proofs, you know, historical proofs and all these kinds of things. And so in my mind, I thought that I could share uh, this wonderful wisdom and information about God with unbelievers and that they would they would gladly then become believers right uh, if I if I prove to them that God uh, that, that proved God from a scientific point of view, if I could prove God from a historical point of view, if I could prove God, you know, from uh, the biblical messianic prophecy, I, I, I love one of those stats that he had in there, which is, you know, he talked about the, the um, 333 predictions about the work and person of Jesus Christ. This is one of the prophetic things, uh, statistics that he had in the book. It's really good. 333 Predictions in the Old Testament about the work and person of Jesus Christ. You know, 400 years separates the Old Testament from the New Testament. So evidently, the last guy writing didn't get to meet the first guy writing. (laughs) We're not living 400 years anymore, right? And so um, the 333 predictions were along the lines of things like how Jesus would die. You know, he would die... Uh, he would suffer, he would die, he would be beaten. The fact that they would gamble for his clothing, you know, that the guards would gamble for his clothing at, at the foot of the cross. The things that Jesus would say. Uh, all of these things, uh, works and predictions about the, the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, 333 of them, 400 years before New Testament times. The the, la- the last one was where Jesus was going to be born, Right. It's in Malachi, In Bethlehem, he'll be born. And it's staggering to think that you could hit that on the nail, 333, all different writers, not the same guys. You know, there are 40 different uh, writers. And, and uh, all of these, these, these writers uh, in the Old Testament, uh, some of them, you know, used to be shepherds, some of them were prophets, some of them were, you know, uh, and, and all over the board, from, uh, and they didn't. Many, of, most of them, never met each other, never read each other's works, and yet they're making these predictions about Jesus Christ. 333 of them. And then he does the math, which is great. Josh McDowell does the math for you. He says, "So what would be uh, the likelihood that you, uh, that all of us in this room, can make 333 predictions about something? Let's say we let's make a prediction. All of us together, we're going to make a prediction that there's going to be an earthquake, right?" Uh, that one prediction, man, we have almost 100% that we could hit that nail on the head, right? There's going to be an earthquake. We didn't say where. We didn't say when, right? So if all of us agree, do all of you agree there's going to be an earthquake? Okay, so we are dead on. Let's end the prophecy right there. It's 100%. There's going to be an earthquake. <laughs> we said it here at Grace Place and such and such date, and people will marvel at us. Oh, they said there was going to be an earthquake. And, and sure enough, you know, in 2031, there was an earthquake. Oh, those people are amazing, right? Well, let's go ahead and add another 332 details to that. Tell me where the earthquake is going to be. Tell me how much life is going to be lost. Tell me uh, who will be affected by it. Tell me what will happen to the landscape. Uh, how long it will last. You know, all of the details. And you think about that. That one stat that that Josh McDowell had about prophecy is unbelievable. 333 predictions about Messiah, and they come to pass, each one of them. And and the the New Testament is filled with, as it was said in the Old Testament, Jesus to to be fulfilled, and, and, and here it is, it happens. And then I thought, well, maybe if I proved it from a philosophical point of view, maybe if I uh, proved God from a reason point of view, but no, uh, no area, no way of, of trying to do this uh, reached every person or satisfied questions. They just kept throwing things out and th- as, if, as if I have no ideas, but I'm just, I'm just going to question your, your ideas until you die. <laughs> you know? I have no, no worldview that's working, but I'll just put yours to death. All right. Everyone uh, goes through this, I think, as a Christian, trying to share the wisdoms of God with people around you. And it's frustrating and tiring to try to to share something with people who have put a big wall up. But what we tend to do is overestimate what we can do and underestimate what God can do. And God didn't come to comfort all mankind. He came to confront all mankind with their sins. And when we get to a place of humility, we recognize our need, our fallen nature for God. And so the passage opens up asking us, How much better is wisdom than gold? And I love the language early on where it says, The highway of the upright preserves the soul. It's the reason we pursue God's wisdom, it's a highway of the upright that preserves our souls. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Wisdom lived out is your soul's best friend. Pride, he says, goes before a destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Rabbi Saul Berman wrote, the Torah was God's weapon in war against idolatrous culture. The Torah was God's weapon. The word of God was God's weapon against idolatry. Those that were living in an idolatrous culture. It stood up and rose up and said, you've been living by your emotions, by your feelings. And this contradicts all of it. As the Torah rose up and spoke wisdom of God into their hearts and into their lives. Sin has been waging a war against knowledge of God from the very beginning. The sin's most effective tool in all of us is our own pride. And I often would say to people, you know, they would have arguments about, uh, I don't believe the Bible because there's no way a whale swallowed Jonah. Or I don't believe the Bible because there's no way that uh, Noah loaded so many animals up on the ark. I don't believe the Bible because this or that or something else. They would cite uh, some passage or something that they didn't believe. And ultimately, as we would sit down and talk through this, I would recognize that it was none of those issues that was keeping them from God. That's right. That's right. It was their own pride yes. that prevented them from coming to God in personal relationship. Because I could spend the whole day trying to prove these things out and, and win some of the arguments and prove some things and show where this is, this is true and this is possible and this could have happened and all this kind of stuff. But that still doesn't move the ball, it just, it just brings another question, right? Well, then what about this? Or what about that? Because ultimately, the war is not with me and, and whether the Bible is, uh, is, is a book that, that tells the accurate story here. It's, it's you wanting to surrender your life to a God who rules the universe. I love, you know, a few years back, a couple years back, Lawrence did a message on... Uh, why God, and he, and he taught us, without, he read a, one scripture, one short scripture, but he taught us how to believe in God without the Bible. You know, the, the world around us screams about God. Yeah. Every time we walk out, and that's what brings us back to ask Christians another question, right? We walk out the door and see a rose, and we're like, whoa, that's amazing. Science says this came from nothing. Okay, i got to ask that Christian another question. We walk outside and we see the stars and the fact that, you know, I I was, I I love that, that, uh, you know, the Saturn uh, satellite that was sent out in the early 80s and it's, it's, it's leaving and exiting the universe and they, they give it a command and I've shared this story before. They give it a command from NASA, start flipping around and taking pictures of the universe. It was, it was going, you know, um, it was passing planet by planet until it finally exits the Milky Way. Right, so the last thing they say to you, is just start taking pictures. And here it is. You know, the camera is right here, and it's going. Tick-chick, 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 tick-chick. There's a 360. Takes a picture of the universe, and it exits. Psh, it's gone. One of those pictures. Oh man, it'll, it moves you. It's it's this stream of light pouring down. Just one little stream of light in the universe. And a little dot, like a piece of dust in the middle of it. And that is you and I on planet Earth. That's us in that little stream of sunlight, tilted in the axis so that we have these seasons, placed perfectly where life can exist. Everything that has ever been written of great poetry every great orator, every great athlete, every person we have ever known or heard about, every historical event, takes place on that little piece of dust in the universe. And I have rose up in my pride and says, there is no God. And to that, this passage reads, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalms 53 and 1. The singular thing that keeps man from God is his own pride. He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of lips increase learning. Understanding is the wellspring of life. Just clipping through the highlights of that section of the passage, Wisdom leads to finding good. Living content is in living uh, around godly wisdom and practicing that in our life. Sweetness of the lips, wellspring of life, are the wisdoms of God. You have hung out around people who are godly people. I had the privilege of uh, being in close quarters with... Uh, Jack Hayford, and, and he had a real influence on my life and on my ministry. And uh, I have to tell you, man, there were times that I'm hanging on every word. It's just, it's just as if God was in the room. And, and I've had this experience many times with, with many godly men and women who, who God's using in ministry. And you're just, you're just it's just like you're hearing the sweetness uh, of the lips speaking the wisdoms of God into your heart and into your life. He would say a sentence sometimes, and Michelle and I would look at each other and think, there was more, there's more wealth and gold in that sentence than, than I have heard sometimes in a complete hour-long sermon. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the bones. The heart teaches the mouth. I need to get to our close why why do we need to love and to seek out the wisdom of God the passage ends by telling us why because there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death our internal compass never points true north never not a day in your life has your internal compass ever pointed true north into morality, uh, into truth, into the wisdoms of God. Left alone to our own devices, we always choose wrong over right. Sometimes we'll choose degrees of wrong uh, and discipline ourselves a little bit that way. But man left to his own devices is always pursuing after the sensual, the emotional, always pursuing after what he thinks is best for him. And sometimes trying to paint it or cloak it in clothing that looks like it's best for the world. Best for everyone around us. Sin has damaged our sense of godly direction. Our sinful nature leads to self-deception. Its ultimate goal is self-rule. And it leads to selfish living. Lest we misunderstand the context of that last verse, we need to understand that it's talking about eternal separation from God. When it says... The end thereof is destruction. It's talking about permanent separation from God. Our internal compass that never points true north is leading us to permanent separation from the living God. We naturally follow a path that leads to separation from God. And it's not in our, in our natural nature to override that. And, and to try to get back to a, a true north. We need help. And if you don't believe that, then, then there's a simple analogy for us. Just how, how difficult was it to make the decision to come to church today? Or to make right decisions to open the book of God and read his word? Or, or to make a decision when a crisis hits, to call him first. And not somebody else to bail you out. And help you out. It shows that our nature keeps pulling us away from God. How many times when you go through a real difficult season have you decided to go live in a cave? Isolate yourself from community and run away. Opposite of what God says, surrounding ourselves with the counsel of of those who love us, bringing ourselves into the house of God. How many times is it easier to go do that? Than to stand up in community and say, I need you, I need you, community, and I need God's help in my life right now for what's going on. It's so much easier to hide things. If you don't believe what I'm saying there, think about how false personas are being projected out on social media. That if we had a real look at all of us on social media, it wouldn't be very pretty. We put filters on to erase the wrinkles. We always want to catch our best side. We show the good things that are happening. We didn't show when we were cleaning up trash when the dog knocked it over. Or, you know, the bad things that happen in our life, the bad decisions. We don't want any selfies of those, right? Caught in a difficult moment. Click. That's me. I want to be careful how I say this. I'm going to invite in our worship team uh, to come. But, and I said that this morning that there are people here, and my heart goes out to you who grew up uh, without the counsel of God in your life, and there have been struggles uh, in your life with um, making true north decisions and and doing things right. It just it doesn't always make sense. Grateful though you may be for uh, coming to Christ and, and, and uh, the surrounding community, it's, it has been a struggle. It's been a struggle to make uh, decisions day by day because you've not been surrounded by the counsel of God, and that's not been a part of your life. And maybe it was also just that at some point you rejected it, and said, hey, you know, it's not for me. I'm going to believe something else. And life hasn't made sense. Even in, as, as you pursue other things, there's just no logical end to what's going on. And that may be the case. And so godly wisdom hasn't been around your life. But I, I, I think what, the way I want to close out this morning is I want to invite you to come forward if you would like prayer. Here's what I believe about the wisdom of God. I believe that David said, I want to hide God's word in my heart. So I won't sin against him. And I believe that God wants to bring to life. I've shared before about my upbringing in Pentecost, and this is how we were taught to read the Bible. We were taught that when you open that book, God starts seeing you and he's speaking to you. Immediately these pages start leaping out and and you're having this encounter with God. And that's what I want to happen for all of you. I want as you open the book for there to be a conversation and you can say, God, I don't know if I wanna have this conversation right now. But I'm I'm going to open myself up to it. What do you want to say to me, God? What do you want to speak into my heart and life as I look into your word? And that the voice of God will speak. The early um, Old Testament mirror of what, uh, well, the mirror, uh, the Bible was a mirror. Uh, Its it's symbolism in the Old Testament going into the tabernacle was called the laver. And the laver was where they would wash up before they went into the sanctuary. I need to see me before I go and see Jesus. I really need to see me. Rest of you have been seeing me all along and uh, you haven't always liked what you've seen. But I I gotta see me because I'm about to walk into God's house with God's people. And I'm gonna hear his words of wisdom spoken. And I need to respond for me, not for my mom or my aunt or my uncle or my sister or my brother or someone who's in a struggle, a life struggle. God, show me me. And so, as they would take their hands and get ready to dip down in the laver, they would see themselves. They would wash, wash their hands. humbly they would walk into the house of God. And the words the Torah read, God speaking, we can see throughout the Old Testament all kinds of reaction as the word of God was read. I, I love in um, the book of Nehemiah when they're trying to restore the temple and they've, they've been estranged from uh, their land and from the temple because they were carried off into bondage. They would, lived wickedly and they had abandoned God. They'd abandoned his book. And it had literally been, you know, uh, many, many years, hundreds in some cases for some, since they had heard the word of God read. And it says that as Ezra began to read from the book that they stood up. Nobody told them, hey, you need to stand. They, they just stood up as he read from the book. They were looking at this man as he was reading God's word, and they began to tear their clothing. They fell down as they heard God's wisdom and counsel compared to how they were living their life. They had married into idolatry. They, were, they had idols back home that they had brought with them back to God's land and back to God's house. And it began to cut them at their heart. And that heart that had been given to sensual things that Jeremiah talked about was desperately wicked, who can know it? That heart that had been given to uh, emotional uh, swings that they had was now being completely broken by the Word of God and the wisdoms of God being read. Tears began to fall down their face. Immediately, action began to take place. People began to put away their idolatry, put away relationships that were separating them from God immediately as Isaiah as Ezra began to read the word of God things begin to happen all over that congregation God's inviting us to the table of his wisdom and so as the worship team plays and and I want to ask you to stand with me if you will God tugging at your heart I want to invite you to come we want to, we want to agree with you and pray with you God's going to illuminate and lighten you so that you can live in his wisdom and not just the world's wisdom